Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. We can say it this way, you live in a meat suit. You live in a meat suit. And you possess a soul. Your thinking, your mind, your will, your intellect. That is the part of you that needs to be surrendered to him completely. When your soul is surrendered to him completely, you'll find that the worries and the cares and the aggravation and the stresses that you go through will not only be minimized, but that they would simply drift away. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. I want to turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Isaiah. And there's a number of things that I believe the Lord wants to show you this morning here in Isaiah 53. Some scriptures will be on the screen for you. And we're just going to walk some things through together. If you want to know what dead religion is, dead religion happens when you just come one day a week and think you got everything. Think that's all that's required of you to just show up in a box, no matter how pretty the box is. This life must flow through you completely every single day of your life every single day of your life we've seen others and sometimes we have been others that were just Sunday morning saints and they simply walk with no power no power the gospel of Jesus must permeate all through your life to every decision that you make. Even, to, even through to entertainment and through, through books and through your conversations and, and friendships. Jesus must be so real to you. Not that you are putting him in every area of your life. Not that you are insisting upon it but because that he has become the core of your being, the very center of your being. And you receive his love, the very center of your being. Some of you have been in love before. I know that the, especially those of you that have, are married right now and your spouse is in the building, your hand should really been up, be up if you have... We're going to look straight ahead. When you love somebody, I mean really love them, you think about them. You think about them. Can't help but to think about them. Can't help but to. Somehow they, their name get in your conversation. And when they're not in the room with you, your heart go, goes toward them. Let me break it down another way. Some of you got a, 
a favorite car or a computer or something or a game or something, I don't know. When you got a new car, a new something, you park it and you go inside the store somewhere and some of you inside the store thinking, I hope nobody hit my car. You park it in a special place away from people so that nobody hits it with their door when they're trying to get in and get out. Your mind is on that. Your mind is on that. When you are consumed with something, fire consumes. Fire consumes all that you are. And the Bible declares that God is a consuming fire. And he desires to consume you. So much so that we become just like him in our actions and in our thinking. We become perfect. The Bible declares that as we are born of God, born again, and First uh, John, as we are born again, that our spirit, he that is born again cannot sin, or what, or that that is born again cannot sin, cannot continue in sin, cannot practice sin. Now we understand that that word is on t multiple levels. The first level, as he that is born of God talks about our spirit man. The true you cannot sin because you were recreated in the image of God. It is impossible for your spirit to sin because the Holy Spirit, the seed of God, remains in your human spirit. Understand that you are a spirit. You live in a body and you possess a soul. Your spirit man cannot sin. It looks like God. It looks like Christ. But it is your soul that does have the ability to sin. First, the spirit looking in the image and is in the exact likeness of God. The born again spirit. And then the Lord begins to transform your soul, the way you think, the way you reason, your memory. He begins to shape you inwardly in the soul. And the soul, as the soul takes care or takes focus upon the word of God, as your soul begins to be filled and be transformed by the word of God, or the Bible says really, as we, are, as we allow our minds to be transformed, the part of the soul is the mind. As we allow our minds to be transformed, our soul to be transformed, it then begins to take shape and then affects our natural body. What you think will affect your body. We know this. What you think affects your body. If you think worryful, worryful thoughts all the time, your body will take notice and begin to react. All sorts of chemicals will flood your soul or flood your mind. Stomach will begin to react. All of you will react from what happens in the soul. So as God has converted and transformed and, and you become a new species of being spiritually, as you have a new born again spirit that cannot sin. Then the word begins to deal with us in our soul. Your soul can still think horrible thoughts. We can still think about doing things that are wrong. Not only think about doing them, but we can also do them. 
after you gave your life to the Lord Jesus, you still remember how to cuss. That was not wiped out of you. You still remember cuss words right now. You've heard it done. You still remember how to slap, how to cheat, how to lie. All of that's there. It's within the soul. That's why the soul has to be transformed by the renewing of the word of God. God wants to perfect your human soul. And a perfect human soul submits to your spirit. A perfect human soul submits to your human spirit and your human spirit submits to the Holy Spirit. Once you are submitted, once your spirit is fully submitted to the Holy Spirit and your soul lines up and says, yes, I agree. I must follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the word of God permeates your thinking and you begin to understand who you are in Christ. Your soul lines up with your spirit and your body will simply follow right after. The glory that's within your spirit being will permeate your soul, your soul, your body. You are not a soul. You are a spirit. Man is a spirit. You were created a spirit. When God said in the book of, in the book of beginnings, let us make man in our own image. What is the image of God? Is God flesh? No. God is spirit. He says God is spirit. He created you a spiritual being and he gave you a body and he gave you, if you will, a computer to run this body. You find those in a coma in the hospital, their body is working, but it's somehow disconnected from the soul. The soul can no longer control the movements and control the awareness of it. Spirit man is intact, but if the soul has no authority or has no rule over the body, the body just simply sleeps. Every part of you has reason. You are a spirit. You live in a body. We can say it this way. You live in a meat suit. You live in a meat suit. And you possess a soul. Your thinking, your mind, your will, your intellect. That is the part of you that needs to be surrendered to him completely. When your soul is surrendered to him completely, you'll find that the worries and the cares and the aggravation and the stresses that you go through will not only be minimized, but that they would simply drift away as your mind becomes focused with him. You are a spirit creature. You are a spirit and the Holy Spirit abides in your spirit. The Holy Spirit abides in you. And spiritually, you look just like Christ. When you go on the battlefield and you face a spiritual devil, devils and demons are spirits. When you face them, you have a very unfair advantage because you were formed in likeness and image of him. But you have a weakness. Your soul, your flesh. And the enemy will come to taunt you and torment you through your soul, through your flesh, through your thinking, through your reasoning, and through your feeling.
Listen, if you wait till you feel good to do some things, you will never do it. If you wait until you have peace to do some things, you'll never do it. Sometimes you'll have to go afraid. Sometimes you'll have to go when you don't feel good. You'll have to say when you know folk don't like you. But you'll have to move forward anyway. Those that are ruled by their soul or their flesh, those that are carnal, as the scripture says, will never do that. They'll be overcome every time. But those who are led by the Spirit, ruled by the Spirit, allow themselves to be dominated and influenced and controlled by the Holy Spirit, will be led by the Spirit, and that's what the Lord is looking for in these last days. Those who will allow themselves, the born-again believers who will allow themselves to be influenced, controlled by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. Those who will be oracles of God, those who will be prophetic, will be prophets of God. Those who will allow the Lord to use them in unusual ways. Because what happens in your spirit, man, if you allow it to, can permeate into your soul. And your soul will influence your body. And it can be done in so much, so great a fashion. We can even see this uh, even in the life of Elisha, even in the Old Testament. When he died and he was put in a, a tomb and they rolled a dead man in the tomb trying to get away from the, I believe, the Midianites. This dead body rolled into the tomb. They were going to bury their friend, but the Midianites were coming. So they just ditched the body in what they thought was a grave or some sort of tomb. But when that dead body rolled and fell upon the tomb of Elisha, the dead man rose to life. Now his spirit was gone. Soul, spirit, gone. But the flesh still remained. Your flesh can be so consumed with the presence of God that even as Peter did, even as you walk down the street, the anointing of God can so flow through you. And as people are there, they, they, begin, to, they begin to receive the presence of God. They begin to receive healing just as you walk by, just with a touch so consumed by his presence. When you are consumed with the fire of God, your life changes completely and life of those around you change completely. I really love the, the prayer of the Lord Jesus there in the garden of Gethsemane and the prayer he said, Father, let not my will, but let your will be done. That's a sign of someone that has a perfectly submitted soul. Because again, the soul is the seat of your will, your emotions, your intellect. That very verse says that Jesus had a soul, that he had a will of his own. He said, let not my will, but your will be done. Jesus could have gone his own way, but he submitted his soul. He submitted his will to the father. And, and that was extremely difficult especially under those conditions 
as he prayed, what, three times prayed, as he prayed and prayed, let this, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. If it's your will, let this cup pass from me. If it's your will, let this cup pass from me. He knew what was about to happen. But said, nevertheless, let not my will, but let your will be done. If you want to hear a prophetic word of what God is doing in this hour and what he's looking for in this hour, who he's looking for in this hour, those that have a soul that, are, that will yield their soul to him, that will be spirit-led, spirit-led, and it's not an easy road. Because one of the first things that will pop up is your ego, it's your pride. What about me, Lord? What, how about how I feel? The day you got born again, you lost that right. Scripture says that you are not your own, but you are bought with a price. This world seems to be falling apart at the seams. And people are going to hell in handbaskets. They are going to hell left and right. People are committing suicide. There's drug trafficking and there's human trafficking all around us. And we're saying, Lord, forgive me. Lord, do I have to go? What if they don't like me? Do I have to go? People are dying every day, literally dying every single day, and they need to see Jesus. But the God you serve is invisible. He's invisible. Some of you like video games, play video games. Let me give you a word that you'll understand. God needs avatars. You see, in the game, you can create some sort of character. Maybe you can give them a, a certain suit, a certain hat, certain clothes. You can design them just like you want to design them. And then you give them life by your words and by your actions. You tell that person where to go. You tell that person what to do. You tell that person who to interact with. They are your, that's your avatar in the game. They have no life except you give them life. Will you be God's avatar? Understand that payday will come after a while. But the first enemies that you will encounter is self, is pride. What about me? What about mine? This is a walk of suffering. Jesus was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. As he pursued the will of the Father, realized that we are not home yet. But you will pierce the darkness. You will, dis you will disrupt uh, demonic strongholds and satanic strongholds. But your soul must be submitted to him.
And that's not a one day thing. That's not a coming to church and somebody lay hands on you and put some oil on you and all of that. That's something you've got to do on a daily basis as you force yourself many times to get up and pray. As you force yourself to digest the word of God, to, to eat the word of God, not just in communion. The Bible declares that in communion, the Lord Jesus said, my flesh is meat indeed. Well, who is Jesus? Jesus is the word of God made flesh. As you partake of his word, you're partaking of his flesh. As you eat of him, as you learn of him, as you, as you meditate on him, you are eating his flesh. As you apply his blood, you're becoming more and more and more and more like him. Just a Sunday morning deal is not going to get it for you. It's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. It just won't work. I would love to tell you that there's going to be a lot of roses and pies and pies in the sky and nobody's going to hurt you and, and everything's going to be all good and, and surely it will be in glory. Surely you will have some glorious days of great peace. Surely you will have. But you'll also have the other days that you will be faced with a storm. And I pray in that moment, the Lord Jesus shows us so many pictures. As he was in the boat with the disciples, he was asleep and the storm came and they were freaking out on all sides. And they came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you care? What was Jesus doing? He was asleep. In the midst of a storm, in perfect peace another indication of a submitted soul perfect peace what's tormented in a, in, in a storm a soul is tormented in a storm what are they going to do what's going to happen next high food prices what's going to happen next high gas prices I heard they're closing the plant I may lose my job I don't have enough money what's being tormented the soul worry is creeping in the soul is being overtaken when someone commits an act of suicide it's not the spirit that's overcome nor their flesh it's the soul it's the soul that says I can't take this anymore I can't take these thoughts anymore I can't take these feelings anymore I feel like I'm going to die nobody loves me it's better off for me not even being here it's the soul that's under attack and in the midst of a storm, it's the soul. But when the soul can sleep in perfect peace and in oneness with God, the body can also rest. Instead of staying up all night long saying, God, don't you care about me? Don't you care that I don't have money for this? Don't you care that I don't have money for that? Don't you care about the doctor's report? Don't you care? Don't you care we're going to die? I'm going to die. Don't you care? Don't you care? Why not just go to sleep? Why not just believe that he got you? A perfectly submitted soul. And that requires you getting in his word and eating of his word and knowing him and learning of him. And you can't do that always by watching television. I'm not telling you don't watch TV. You can watch what you want to watch. 
But if TV is your main diet, if all you do is come to church on Sunday and do whatever you want to all throughout the week and wonder why the devil's beating up on you. You've got to arm yourself with the word of God. I told you when evil shows up, because evil will show up, the word must stand out and speak. If you're not armed, if you're not armed for the battle, you will be overcome. We do understand that, right? So you say, Lord, I don't really have a desire to pray. I really don't want to learn the word. Be honest with you, Lord. I really don't want to learn it. I really just want to do other things. Start right there in prayer and ask him to give you a desire for his word, a desire to pray, a desire to fast, a desire to know him. Start right there. Start right there. Are you hearing? Let's try to go into this. Isaiah 53. Won't get it all today. But I know by the Spirit of God that he's equipping his church. He's equipping his church to stand in a dark hour. God is equipping his church. He's equipping his people to stand in the hour of darkness. Please hear that. Please hear that. And that won't be accomplished just on Sunday morning. You're going to have to do some homework. When I was in school, I couldn't stand homework. I felt like I gave my eight hours to that school, Bernice, and I was done. I don't want to go back home and read some book and this and that and the other, but I understood that things that were learned in class had to be reinforced at home. I understood that tests was going to happen, so I had to be ready for the test. So no matter how much I despised homework and projects and essays and all of this other stuff, I understood it was for, it was for my learning, it was for my growth, it was for my development. If you want to get, out, get what you're supposed to get out of the class, you're going to have to do some homework. Some of the best ways to learn the scripture, let me tell you this now before we go into Isaiah 53. Get your pad and write. Write the scriptures out. Write them down. Yes, we have our phones, we have our tablets, we have our computers, but there's something about writing Every letter. You have a verse. What a verse God gives you. What are you studying? What are you looking at? You write that verse down word for word, letter for letter, writing it down. And as you write this verse down, the Lord begins to speak to you about every single word, every single letter. When you write it out, not copy and paste. When you physically, with a pen and a piece of paper, write it, it begins to get in your soul, begins to get into you. You begin to see more. Reading the word has value. Listening to the word of God has value. But when you write it, that adds another dimension. And he shows you other things. That adds another dimension. So you can use your tablet and you use a pen and a pad and write. I'm telling you, it will add another dimension to you altogether. Isaiah 53, verse number one says this. Who have believed our report? 
And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Let's stay right there for a moment. Keep that scripture up. Who shall believe who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Report is an account of something that happened. If something happens on your property, prayerfully it will never happen. And you call the police and the police give you a police. They give you a police report. A report is a detailed account of something that happened. The Bible says, who shall or who hath believed our report? Something is about to happen or something that has already happened. Who is going to believe it? Now, the very fact that the, that the scripture asks this question means that, that what's about to happen is so phenomenal. It is so beyond. It, it is so incredible. Who is actually going to believe this? Who is actually going to trust in this and, re, and lean on this and, and rely on this? Who is going to do it? Who's asking the question? Who hath believed our report? Who's the hour? It is all of heaven. Who's going to believe? Who's going to believe this? This is so wonderful. Who's going to believe our report? And then it says, and whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Rather, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, in the Old Testament, God did a lot of things with his finger. The finger of God. Finger of God, powerful finger of God wrote the Ten Commandments the finger of God when God turned the Nile River to blood the the prophets of, of um, the false prophets or the magicians of Pharaoh trying to do the same thing they tried to duplicate what God did but when they couldn't duplicate what God did they said oh no 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 Pharaoh this must be the finger of God finger of God works miracles, signs, and wonders. Just the finger of God. Jesus declared to the uh, scribes and Pharisees, they said, Jesus, you're casting out devils and demons because you're in league with the devil. You're in league with the, the prince of devils, Beelzebub. He said, no, no, no. He simply told them, if I cast out devils, I'm doing it by the finger of God. The finger of God is power. Going back to the very first question, who shall believe our report? What report? What's so incredible? What's so beyond belief? That God's not going to reveal his finger, but his arm. The arm of God talks about his power, his might. God wants to reveal his arm to you. Whoever believes the report, you will receive or the arm of God will be revealed to you. His power, his might will be delivered to you, will be revealed, will be uncovered to you, unveiled to you. What is that report? And where is that power coming from? Verse number two tells you, it says, for he, this power is a he. This power is Jesus. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. 
And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Who's going to believe this? It says that when God comes, wraps himself up in flesh, and is born of a virgin, when he walks on the earth as a man, he'll have no form, no special things of his flesh that you would desire him, no special beauty. You would think that when God comes down and comes into a body, boy, he'll be buff. He'd be the most handsome and attractive human being that there's ever been. This is God coming down in a body. You would think he would go every day glowing like, glowing like a, a million watt light bulb as he's walking around every single day. But there was nothing in his physical form that would indicate that he was a son of God. In other words, God wanted what was in Christ to be spiritually discerned and not fleshly discerned. Look at number three. It says, he, and it says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Twice the Bible said the word despised. Despised meaning thought as worthless. They thought of Jesus as worthless. Oh, we know Jesus. Yeah, he's, he's from here. We know his mama. We know his brothers and sisters. He's a carpenter's son. He's nobody special. He's nobody special. But here is God in the flesh. And they didn't desert it. And here's one thing that really gets my goat many times. People say, I've been fasting, I've been praying, and surely why don't they know that I'm why don't they know I'm a Christian? Why don't they know why don't they know I'm a Christian? If they didn't discern Jesus, how in the world are they gonna discern you? He was God in the flesh, Tamara. And they had no clue. Oh, but you are woo. They're going to know you right off. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? He was thought to be worthless. Who's going to believe our report? That when God comes down, people are going to see him as nothing. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be despised. Verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Griefs meaning sicknesses. He has borne our sicknesses. Sorrows means pain and carried our pain. Because in this life, and we're almost done today, so I pray that you're hearing in Jesus' name. I pray that you're hearing. I really do. This life, in this life, in this universe, and even in the spirit world, there is nothing that can be in two places at one time. Only God can be in two places at one time, multiple places at one time. You and I cannot be in more than one place at one time. 
no demon, not even the devil or Satan himself can be in multiple places at one time. Only God can do that. Neither can your sickness be in multiple places at one time. Neither can your pain, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain, neither can it be in multiple places. It cannot exist in multiple places at one time. Jesus said, the Bible says, surely, meaning of a truth, you can trust this. Surely he hath borne or carried away our griefs or our sicknesses. Some of you have had done work, yard work or you've had a truck or something and you've carried something off from one place and you deposited it in another place. Maybe you took it to a landfill or, or maybe you took it to some type of storage shelter. But what was once there in your house is now somewhere else. It cannot be in the storage shelter and in your house at the exact same time. It can't happen. Surely you did take that sofa off. Surely you did take that dining room table off and it's in the storage room now. Surely Jesus has borne your griefs, your sicknesses. Now because things cannot be in the same place at one time, that means if the word of God, word of God is true and I stake my life and my complete existence upon it, that it is. That means Jesus took every pain, every sickness I have, my sorrow, my grief, he took it away from me. And because things cannot be in one, things cannot be in multiple places at one time, that means I no longer possess it. It's gone from me. What's the fight? The Bible says I still have it, but I, rather the Bible says Jesus has taken it away, but I still feel it. Going right back to the soul again, isn't it? I still feel this way. You know, when someone's legs are amputated or someone's arm is amputated, they say I can still feel, uh, the, the arm is completely gone, but they say I can still feel my fingertips. I can, my hand is itching. My hand is itching, but the arm is completely gone. They call it a phantom limb. He said, I can still feel my big toe, but the leg is completely gone. They say, I can still feel it, a phantom limb. Jesus said, I've taken it, I've amputated, I've taken it completely away, but I still feel it. Are you going to live your entire life through your feeling? Are you going to live it through faith in what Jesus said? The Bible says that he hath surely, he hath borne your sicknesses, borne your griefs, surely he has carried away your pains. So we say, yes, Lord, I believe that. And I believe you for the manifestation of this. And I believe that what I carry now, what I think is in me, is a complete lie. You've taken that away from me. That's why the Bible starts off in verse number one, who shall believe our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord going to be revealed? Who's going to believe it? Who's going to walk by faith and not by sight or by feeling or by the soul? 
He says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken. Stricken is to be marked. It is to be plagued. Surely we did esteem him stricken, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, troubled. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities talks about your rebellion, our rebellion against God, our lawlessness against God, our defiance against him, our wickedness. He was bruised because of our wickedness, our defiant nature. You have a defiant nature. You know that, right? We have a rebellious nature. Sure we do. All you have to, all I have to do is ask your parents if I have to. You have a defiant nature in you, a rebellious nature on the inside of us. Every human being is born with that defiant nature, rebellious nature of the things of God because the Bible goes on down and says we have gone every man to our own way. It's our own path. And it is our rebellion that has gotten us in trouble. It's Adam and Eve's rebellion that got us in trouble. And we still carry a rebellious nature. And that rebellious nature, Jesus has taken away. He was bruised for it. He was crushed for our rebellious nature. So that it could be taken away from us so that we could be, could be in complete compliance with the will of God. When you say, Lord, I submit my whole life to you, that is actually a miracle. That's a work of the spirit. That's not normal. That's not natural. Are you hearing? We're almost done. Hang with me. Hang with me. Y'all sit with me today. Hang with me. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. Chastisement is simply punishment. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, he was punished so that we could have peace with God. Think about the sufferings of Christ. He was punished so that you could have peace with God. Punished so that you could have peace with God. Punished so that God would never again be angry or mad with you. Never again would God ever be at odds with you. But Lord, I just sinned last night. I just did that. Never again would God ever be angry or mad at you or hateful towards you. You can never fall out of God's favor because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. He was punished. He was wounded. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was abused so that you could have peace with God. No amount of sin you could ever do in your life can trump that. He did that for you. So even after you do that sin that you, my God, you say, God, I wish I hadn't done this. Father, forgive me. He will still hear you because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on your behalf. He will still listen to you. He will still love on you in the midst of your sin. Right there with the alcohol bottle in your hand, with the drug in your hand. God says, I'm still here, son. I'm still here, daughter. My love for you has not changed because of what Jesus has done for you. 
Your works of unrighteousness does not make you unrighteous in the sight of God. Neither does your works of righteousness make you righteous in the sight of God. It's about Jesus. And see, unless you know that, you'll, you'll do something and say, God doesn't want to hear me. God's punishing me. That devil is a liar. The punishment fell on Jesus so that we could have peace with God. Thank God for Jesus. He was punished. He was tortured. He was bruised willingly so that we could have peace with God. So never think that because you've done something, you've, you've done something you said you'd never do again, and now God's not going to hear me. I'm telling you that that voice you're hearing is of the devil. You tell the devil, devil, no, 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 devil, that's wrong because Isaiah 53 tells me that Jesus was punished for my peace. He says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Not only physically. Healed meaning to be made well, to be whole. Whole. That's what's wrong in our society today. People aren't whole. They reject self. I'm not supposed to be a man. I'm not supposed to be a woman. I'm not supposed to be this. I'm supposed to be that. They reject self in pursuit of a lie. Thinking that the lie is going to make them whole. But they soon find out there is no wholeness in a lie. There's no wholeness in this flesh. Our wholeness comes from him. By his wounds we are healed. We are made whole. Whole meaning I no longer have to pursue. No matter what skin you're born in. No matter what parents you were born to or where you were born to. Wholeness comes from Christ alone. So you can augment yourself all you want to. You can get a better paying job. You can do everything you want to. Buy brand new clothes. Live in a brand new house. Have a brand new car. But you still won't find wholeness. Because wholeness only comes from the spirit. It can never come through the soul. No matter how much you possess, you still want more. Soul is a vacuum. You get 10 games, you want 20. You get 10 women, now you want 100 women. You get 10 men, now you want this, now you want that. You can never be satisfied. From one pornographic page to another pornographic page. From this site to another site. From this site, from this get rich quick scheme to that get rich quick scheme. You can never be satisfied. Flesh cannot be satisfied. It is only through the spirit can we be made whole. It is by his stripes, by his wounds are we made whole. You cannot find wholeness in this life. 
You'll not find it in another woman. You'll not find it in another man. As soon as I get married, then I'll be whole. As soon as I find my Prince Charming, then I'll be whole. As soon as I find my queen, then I'll be whole. As soon as I get this job, then I'll be whole. As soon as I have these children, then I'll be whole. As soon as I retire, then I'll be whole. It's always something else, something else, something else, something else, something else, something else. Wholeness is required. Wholeness cannot only be achieved through Christ Jesus. He is our wholeness. You're going to always find yourself looking for something else. One high leads you to the next high, next drink, next drink. It won't happen. I'm reminded of that movie Matrix. Neil, you know what's down that road. You've been down that road. You know where it goes. See, that's the thing about sin. You know where it goes. To the same old empty place. Same old empty promises. You know where that road goes. By his stripes, you're healed. You're made whole. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. That's that rebellious nature. All of us have gone astray. I don't care who you are. Pastor, bishop, apostle, whatever your title is, brother, sister, mother, I don't care, father, whatever your title is, all we like sheep. Point yourself and say, if you're brave enough and say, that's talking about me. All we as sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. Isn't that right? And what happened? And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, Jesus was charged for our iniquity, for our wickedness, for our rebellion. Think about a court case. You're standing in the place of judgment. And they're about to put your handcuffs on and about to send you off. But Jesus stands in your place and they put the cuffs on him. And the charges that were against you are now on him. Now he is going to jail and paying the price, the death sentence for you. He was charged for your crime. He was charged for my crime. You got to see this. God charged Jesus with what you did, with what I did. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And when the scripture says it was laid upon him, that laid talks about not missing the mark. It hit him squarely. God laid on him. God charged Jesus with your sin. So again, you say, Lord, you, gonna, you won't listen to me because, uh, because I'm not praying a lot, because I'm not fasting, I haven't gone to church in so long. Uh, I know you're not going to hear me. Who are you, who you listening to? 
every charge that went against you was laid on Jesus. Not just the things that you've done, but the things that you even haven't done yet. You say, how is that possible that God could lay all of my future sins on Jesus? Understand something. When God did this to Christ, you weren't even in your mama's thoughts, your granddaddy's thoughts, your great-great-granddaddy's thoughts. You weren't even thought of. Way back in Bible times, I'm not sure where your ancestors were. So all of you was laid on him. Not just your past sins, but everything that you would ever do, every charge you would ever commit laid on Jesus. And I mean all of your charges. All laid on him so that he would pay the price for you. Because the word of God is very true. The soul that sinneth, it must die. The wages of sin is death. But the Father loved you so much that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Someone had to perish for the sin. Someone had to die for the sin. But God loved you so much, he said, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to die. I don't want you to, I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to... I don't want to live without you. He loved you so much that he would rather die than to ever live without you. That there was a decision in the Godhead, and we'll stop here for this time. The Father knew that if I created man in my own image, created a being that looked like me, there'll be an archangel named Lucifer. And he's going to interrupt my plan. God already knew from the very beginning. He stood at the beginning of all time, at the beginning of eternity. He stood at the beginning and at the very end, at the very same time. Jesus was not a backup plan. God knew at the beginning what he would have to do. That's why the Bible says the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. It was always God's plan. He knew that if he created you and I, beings that look like him, little gods, little G's. Now don't freak out on me about that. Dogs have dogs. Cats have cats. Watermelon seeds grow watermelons. Everything that God created produces after its kind. So why would God produce gods little g's don't get the big head now he would produce offsprings what would the sons of God look like we're children of God why would we be of a lesser class people say so and so died they got their angels wings now they're an angel why would God reduce your class Angels are called. We thank God for the angels. Hallelujah. Their angels right here has been called forth to minister unto the heirs of salvation. They are our helpers and they speak the words of life to us. They are messengers sent from God. We thank God for our angels that protect and keep us. But don't you know that you shall judge the angels? 
So why after you die would God change you to another class? When you're made to look like him, to be like him, shaped in his image and after his likeness. You're sons of God, children of God. And what the devil is so afraid of that you understand that. That you understand that you're more than just a meat sack. Little G. Walk with power and authority. And let me end on this note. Oh, we have so much more. I was telling Reverend James earlier, I was in prayer the other day, just really crying out to the Lord, just really crying out, just really crying out before him, just really crying out and just really praying, just really praying, just really praying. You know, God began to speak to you, Shekinah. He began to speak to you. When you're really just crying out before him, you're I mean, when you're crying out, when you're wailing before God. When you're wailing for God before him and you need an answer. Denise, you know what I'm talking about? When you need an answer. And as I was praying, I heard the Spirit say to me, he said, you're looking for the rapture as an escape. I said, huh, I am? Yes. You want the rapture to come, Jesus to come to take you out of all this pain, all this agony, all this suffering. You want Jesus to come to do the take it away. You can't argue with him. Wasn't nobody else there but me and him. I know the devil wasn't talking to me. You hear me, Tamara? Then he said, the things that you're believing for that will happen then, he said, you can have them now. He said, you can have them now. I'm saying, say on, Lord. He turned my attention over to Matthew 6 chapter and the Lord's prayer and the Lord said simply, he said, pray after this manner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He said simply, I've called you to take dominion right where you are. All the peace that you're expecting to experience then, you can experience now. All the love that you're expecting to experience then, you can experience it now. You can take authority right where you are and command the devil to back up. I said, I said, yes, Lord. And here's a word. You mean I don't have to be a victim? I can be a conqueror and put your foot down. See, the devil's a master at putting your eyes out. Master at putting your eyes out. Even though Samson's eyes were out, the glory was still on him. The devil can put your eyes out so that you can't see, so that you can't. The pressure will be so great at times. This is why you need to have the word of God. You need to pray in the spirit and pray with the spirit. I'm talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about praying in tongues. I can't do that. Talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. He'll give you what you need. Are you hearing me? He'll give you what you need. 
He'll give you what you need. I see they cut my music off, so. No, they got it back on now, Cretia. They cut it off. They were trying to tell me something. You hear me, Bernice? You hear me, online community? Well, it's hot now. Hope you got something out of the word of God today. Give the Lord a mighty hand to praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's praise him. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. 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 We love you, Jesus. We love you. Go ahead and suck it all in right now. Lord, we receive your presence. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing it for me. Say with me, thank you, Lord Jesus, for being obedient to the Father's will and doing that for me. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. Thank you, Lord, for justifying me. Thank you, Lord. For taking the punishment for me. Thank you, Lord, that through you I have peace with God. I have peace with God. I have peace with God. And I praise you for it. Now give the Lord a mighty hand to praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Help me tell your neighbor, you've got peace with God. Come on, look at him, look at him, tell him you've got peace with God. If you are born again, believer, if you've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you have peace with God. That's an eternal peace that cannot be taken away. You didn't give it to yourself and you can't take it away from yourself. It's something that was done for you and to you. You can't take it off. You have peace with God. Now, what are you going to do with that peace? That's the question. Father, I declare your blessing upon your people today. All those that are here and all those that are listening and watching from all around the world. Lord, we pray your blessings upon them that they would take your word and that they would digest this word. Lord, we pray that you would give them grace to do homework. To do this homework to learn of you and to pray and seek your face. Father, I pray even for a desire to seek you more, a desire to give you all. Lord, we thank you for hearing us as we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today, only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.